Thank you so much, choir and our worship team, our instrumentalist. As we, before we jump into God's word here today, I just want it's good for us to take a moment when you can sense the spirit of the Lord in the house of the Lord to remind us what worship is all about. We gather here on Sunday mornings not to just hear singing and not just to hear preaching and then to leave, but we gather here to give unto God, all of us together, what He rightfully deserves. And I saw a really beautiful picture of that, a reminder of that this last week that I wanted to share with you. So this, this past Friday night, the Lord answered a prayer for Kimberly and I that we've been praying for almost eight years now. And I got to see my little boy Jackson give his life to Jesus one night. So praise God for that. Yeah. And it was so sweet in the conversation as we talked to him about what that meant. And, and uh, we could see God working and moving in his heart. And so after he had prayed to receive Christ, and he was tearful and joyful. And he said, Mom, we asked if he had any questions. And he said, how do, I, how, do I, how do I let God know that I love him? Well, he said, well, well buddy, you can just tell him. You, know, you can talk to him. About it. You tell him you love him. He goes, no, but like, how do I, how do I, I want to give him something. And he said, you know, Daddy, how like when I give Mama flowers... Because that's what he was favorite things to do. If he finds a flower in the yard, he brings it to his mama. He says, like, I give mama a flower. How do I bring God a flower? And so we started talking to him about things like giving financially. We talked to him about singing and giving praise and all these things. But it was, it was just that reminder from the purity of just a child's heart and love of the Lord. How do I give my flowers to Jesus? You know, when we come in here on Sunday morning, as we sing unto the Lord, as we worship, as we pray, we're giving unto the Lord his flowers. We're saying, Jesus, I love you. And so I'm so thankful that we get to do that at Enon. Church family, as we continue to worship today, let's do that together. So can we give the Lord another hand? Praise Him for meeting here with us today. Yeah, that'll get a daddy pretty choked up right there pretty quick. Uh, hey, open with me your Bibles this morning to John chapter 15. And we're going to continue in our series. We've got this week and next week in our series called Abide. As we've been talking about some of the foundational aspects of walking with Jesus, but as you make your way to your Bibles, I just want to remind you again, next week is Friend Day, and uh, we're praying that the Lord uses all of us to bring friends, people that friends and neighbors, people who may know the Lord but may be far from the Lord, or people uh, who, who just truly don't know the Lord, that God puts these people in our path and we invite them to church. Again, 82% of people said that they're likely to go if they are invited, and so if you come to church next week and you come by yourself, you haven't invited somebody, then, uh, then, then you're doing something wrong, okay? So we want to at least pray and ask the Lord, say, God, put somebody in my path. Who can I invite? Maybe even give a phone call. You may not be able to get out, or maybe you're listening online. Invite somebody to come and pray today that the Lord puts those people to your, in your mind. But with that being said, today we're going to focus on John chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. So look with me at verses 9 and 10. Jesus said, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So if I were to ask you here today, what's the main theme that Jesus is getting across in these two verses? And obviously, it would be love. You can see clearly that Jesus is calling people to experience His love. And so the title of our message today is Abiding in the Love of God. If You know today that love is one of the most common words in our society. At the same time, it's possibly one of the most misunderstood words in our society. We all know that love is something we want, but if we're honest, not all of us can truly describe what is love. Many of you have tried, many have tried to describe what love is in our culture. Some believe that love is action. Some believe that love is purely emotional or experiential. 
Some see love as something that is expressed in romance or sexuality or in actions of benevolence towards others. Some would even say that love even really doesn't exist. But what we do know today is that love is a cornerstone in our society even if we don't truly understand what it is. We've heard about it from famous people and we see, we see, about it, all, we see it all the time. Dr. Martin Luther King during the Civil Rights Movement spoke about love. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. We hear it in music. The Beatles sang about love in one of the most odd and obscure songs ever with one of the most catchiest choruses that says love is all you need. And you're welcome for that as you're singing that all day. I apologize for that. And then the country music singer Johnny Lee reminded us that we can often go looking for love in all the wrong places. And yes, you probably just saw a flash of urban cowboy in your mind. I apologize again for that. But with that being said, clearly there is much that's been said about love. And the reason why this is the case is because love truly is a real thing and we all long for it. However, most of us realize that to understand what love is and how to truly experience love, we must look not at what culture and music or society, how they define love, but rather to truly understand what love is, we must look to the author and creator of love and that is the one true God. The reason why it's important for us to look to God to define love is because if we don't look to God for what love really is, then we end up getting only a surface-level explanation of love. And sadly, that's all many people today know about love. It would kind of be like me asking my, giving my child some medicine or antibiotic and then asking them to describe it. They may say that antibiotics are gross in taste. They may say that an antibiotic is pink or gray or whatever color that they've colored it to try to disguise the fact that they are gross in taste. They may even let you know that antibiotics and medicine help you get better. What they're saying isn't always wrong, but it's only an elementary or surface level explanation of what it is. However, if we were to ask a pharmacist about what an antibiotic is, they could explain its chemical makeup. They could talk about its origin, its healing properly, how it works within the body, and even how how it is important to take it properly. The point is, the Creator is always the best source of explanation, uh, information, and appropriation. As your pastor here today, and as a servant of the living God, I want you to know this morning that I have been praying for you this entire week. I prayed with the constant realization that many of us here today desperately need to know and experience the love of God, the love of your Creator. Some of you are here today and you need to know the love of God for the first time. And many of you here today, you need to know the love of God for the first time in a long time. And the reason why you need to know today, you need to know this love, is because the love of God truly is the greatest medicine to our hearts. It's what we all long for and need. And so with that being said, I want us to look at this passage today and attempt to answer the question, how do I abide in the love of God? So with that being said, if you're keeping notes this morning, our first truth is this. The first step to abiding in the love of God is that we must understand God's love. In this incredible passage of Scripture about the love of God, verse 9, Jesus gives us an incredible weight of truth in just one sentence where he says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Now, if we spent all day, we could never mind the depths of everything that's in this text. But there are two things in this text, in that that one verse there, that can help us understand God's love. And the first thing is this. 
First, this passage helps us understand that God's love is something that has been proclaimed by Jesus. We see it in the latter part of verse 9. He says, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. One of the main ways that we learn and understand something from a very early age is by the proclamation of a truth from trusted sources. Think about this. You can tell your child, don't touch the stove because the stove is hot. Now, they may not even understand what a stove is. They may not understand how it works. They may not even really truly understand what hot means, but they trust you. And if you proclaim to them, don't touch the stove, for the most part, your children will probably not touch the stove. Here in this passage, Jesus is saying, I have also loved you. He's making a proclamation here today. He is saying to the disciples and to all of us here today that he loves us. And this is not the only place that we would have to go to see the love of God. The love of God is blanketed throughout all of the Scripture. John chapter 3, verse 16, one of our most famous verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul spoke of the greatness of God's love. He said, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, John spoke of the love of God saying, See how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. Over and over again, the Bible proclaims God's love for the world. God's word is screaming to us here today, I love you. But here's the truth. You've got to hear that proclamation in your souls before you can truly understand it. i got a friend of mine. His name is Scott, and he is an Air Force colonel. He flies C-130s. Uh, he was one of our elders at the Summit Church in Arkansas. He was a fantastic guy, and he was also the coolest guy in the world because he got to come to church on Wednesday night in his flight suit. I mean, who gets to do that? You're automatically the coolest guy there. And he drove a motorcycle, so I called him Maverick. I mean, like you drive a motorcycle and you fly stuff, you might as well, you're, you're Maverick from Top Gun. Anyway, so uh, he was an incredible guy. We were doing a men's Bible study at one point, and we were talking about the importance of a father in someone's life. And during that conversation, Scott shared with me That his dad, who was not a believer, but was a good father, good provider, took care of him. But he was not an emotional man. And that in his entire life, his father had never shared with him that he loved him. And because of the way they grew up, Scott had never told his father that he loved him. And so the Lord was beginning to convict him of that. That he needed to tell his father that he loved him. He started praying for that opportunity. Well, not long after that, a few months after that, his father lived in Atlanta. We were in Arkansas. His father got rushed to the hospital, was about to undergo a very dangerous emergency surgery, and he called Scott. And Scott said, okay, Dad, I'm on my way. I'm going to be heading there as soon as I can. I'm going to pray for you. But before I get there, I just want to tell you something, Dad. I want to tell you that I love you and that you're a great dad. Now, this father, who is walking into a situation where he doesn't know what's about to take place, he responded back to his son, Scott, thank you so much. I'm very proud of you. And the dad didn't respond back that I loved you. What he didn't know is that a few hours later, he would leave this earth in death, and he would pass into eternity. I remember talking to Scott after the fact and talking about this situation, and he said, Zach, I'm okay because I know, first and foremost, I know Jesus, so I know my heavenly Father loves me. And secondly, he said, I do believe that my father loved me. I just believe that he didn't know how to express that emotionally. But even in that, he said that it still hurt. And the truth is today, you can believe something to be true, but still sometimes we need to hear it. You can believe something to be true, but sometimes you need to know it. 
And today in this text, as Jesus says to the world, I have also loved you. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, you need to know today that Jesus loves you, church. He loves each and every one of you. He loves you in a way that you could possibly never understand to its fullest extent. And he has proclaimed that through the scriptures and ultimately through the cross. He says, I love you. So today, you just need to hear that this morning. You just need to hear somebody say, I love you. And Jesus says that to you through his word. Secondly, this picture helps us understand God's love through the picture of the relationship between the Father and the Son. In the first part of verse 9, Jesus illustrates the love that he has for humanity by comparing it to the love that the Father has with him, saying, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Now, we, we need to take a time out here for a moment and just recognize the gravity of this statement. The relationship between the Father and the Son it is a level far beyond our fullest comprehension. This is a really big deal when Jesus says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. And while we may not ever fully understand that, there are some truths that we know about the relationship between the Father and the Son that can help us understand the love that God has for us in Jesus. That the Father, just as the Father loves Jesus, so Jesus loves us, we can look at that relationship and help us understand how God loves us. So the first way we can look at the relationship between the Father and the Son, we see that it is a familial relationship, meaning it is a family-type relationship. As soon as Jesus hit the scene, God intentionally started using the terms of family to relate to his relationship with the Son. God could have used a, a, a thousand other illustrations, but he knew the closest thing on earth that would exemplify his love for Jesus was the relationship between the Father and the Son. When Jesus was first baptized, right before he began his ministry, he came up out of the water, and in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, we see a voice from heaven said, Behold, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Now, what does that mean to us today? It means that in the same way God loves Jesus at his son, as his Son, he supernaturally loves us. So this is probably the, the easiest way you can understand that. I can love all children here at Eden Baptist Church, and I do. I, I love all of our children here at Eden. I pray for our children here at Eden, but this is the truth. We all understand that I love my kids differently than the way that I love your kids, and you love your kids differently than the way that, that you love my kids, and that's okay. It is natural. It's one of the reasons why you are so blessed when you serve into the kingdom of God in the nursery. Because we all know that changing my kid's diaper is different from changing your kid's diaper. Amen? And that's okay. But here's the truth. God doesn't struggle with this. In the same way that you love your children, your children, and that is the smallest, most infinitesimal, smallest amount of comparison of the way God loves us. God loves you as his own kids. There's an old hymn that's called The Family of God. If you ever read Ken, you probably remember that. We used to sing it at Farmstead Baptist Church. Every time somebody would join the church, we would end the service. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Now, why Baptists always forget some of the greatest verses in hymns? The third verse of Family of God says this. From the door of an orphanage to the house of a king. No longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags under riches, from weak to the strong, I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God, I belong. Amen? This morning, 
Jesus loves you as a child. Secondly, many know the relationship between the Father and the Son because it is a timeless relationship. The loving relationship between the Father and the Son has one that has always been because they've always been together. In John chapter 1, verse 1, speaking of Jesus as the Word, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, there was never a moment in time where God created Jesus. They were always were, they've always been, just as God has always been. This means that God's love for us in Jesus has always been. Meaning, there's never been a moment when God didn't love you. Think about that. There's never been a moment when God didn't love you love you even in some of our worst moments some of you need to hear that this morning because you struggle with past mistakes past struggles past moments of shame and failure maybe you're sitting in the midst of them right now and I would say to you here today that God loves you right where you are then you may say well pastor Zach what about was I was in the middle of my sin I would say that the Bible makes it clear that even while I was in the middle of my sin he loved me In some mysterious way, even when he hated my sin, even when I was an enemy of God and not a child of God, and I was still under his wrath, he still loved me. And Paul says that in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The psalmist spoke about the timelessness of God's love in Psalms 100, verse 5. It says, for the Lord is good and his loving kindness is everlasting. God's loving kindness is everlasting. Now, we all may not experience or receive God's love because we, people who don't enter into a relationship with Jesus, but that doesn't mean that God has not loved them. You need to know here today that God loves you, and God has always loved you. Thirdly, we need to know that the relationship between the Father and the Son is a faultless connection. There is no sin in the Father and the Son, and there's never been any stress any disappointments, any bad history, any grudges, any family drama in the relationship between the father and the son. And if we're all honest here today, we've all got those people in our family, the crazies in our family. We've all had some family drama. You can, I grew up in it. You can ask Kimberly Police, okay? All right, it, it happens. John chapter 10, verse 30 says this, though. Jesus said, I and the father are one. So there's never been a time when the father and the son We're at odds. So what does that say for us here today? It means that God's love for us has no baggage. It has no bad history. It has no hurt. And it has no mistrust. For those who receive Jesus, Jesus loves us today like we've never done him wrong. This first truth is so important today. We need to understand and truly believe that God loves us. And no matter what you've done or been through, Jesus loves you today. And understanding something, you've got to understand it so that you can believe it. And believing it matters. Many of you know here today our son Isaiah. I was reminded this last week as I was tucking Isaiah and putting his pajamas in one night. I pulled his little pajama shirt over his face and as his head came through that big grin, he said, I love you, Daddy. I love you too, buddy. Now there's sometimes I want to punt him across the room. But then there's other, and for the most time I love him, you know. Many of you know that he came to us first as our foster child. And I won't share his story because it's his story to share one day but like all foster children when they enter into your home there's trauma and it's a traumatic situation and I could sense and Kimberly and I could sense very early on that he was afraid that he was emotionless and all we could do was tell him over and over again buddy we love you you're safe you're going to be okay 
And that went on for several weeks, went on for several months. And you could just sense that there was uh, something that was a disconnect. He was always looking, was always concerned. And you could tell that he just didn't feel settled. And all we could do is over and over again, we could just tell him, Buddy, we love you, you're safe, and you're going to be okay. Buddy, we love you, you're safe, and you're going to be okay. But then there was one moment. Somewhere right in the middle of the pandemic when we were all at home and he was playing on the floor and he looked around and he was just laughing and he was grinning. He was playing with our other kids. And Kimberly and I looked at each other and said, this child is different. Something is different. Nothing changed on our end. We were telling him we loved him. We, we cared for him. He was okay this entire time. But somewhere along the process, suddenly it clicked and he believed it. And so this morning, I want you to know that today, before we, 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 we go any farther, that the love of God truly changes everything in your life if you believe it. If you know that you're loved by God, it changes your struggles. If you know that you're loved by God, it changes your stress. It changes the way you deal with fear and anxiety and worry and pain and the future and then even death. Because if you're loved by God, everything changes. This morning... Can you sing the words to that old children's song? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. This morning, he loves you. And you just need to hear that this morning. That he loves you. The second way we abide in the love of God is not just to understand it, but secondly, we must enter into God's love. As we see in the remainder of verse 9, Jesus not only describes his love to his listeners, but he also invites people to enter into that love by saying, Abide in my love. He goes from information about his love to an invitation to enter his love. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. When we hear in this passage, we need to remember that the word abide means to remain or to stay or to live. It's why we call a home an abode. The essence of this verse is as if Jesus is standing on the front porch proclaiming to the world how much he loves us and then he steps aside and opens the door and says, come on in. Him saying, abide in my love. You may ask the question, Pastor Zach, how do I enter into God's love? Let me give you a few steps of how you can enter into God's love. First, to enter into God's love, we must hear the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus. The gospel message begins with the fact that there is a God and He created us for the purpose of walking with Him, enjoying Him, following Him, and giving Him glory. However, the gospel message continues with the fact that we've all sinned against God and we've not followed His leadership or given Him glory with our whole hearts. So we were separated from God in our sin and we're in line for His judgment and His wrath. And can I say something to you this morning, church, and for all you who are here today or listening online We know we feel this guilt and brokenness in our lives apart from Him. And we even see it in our society today. As there are practices that are going on in society today that are very against the heart of God. That are clearly defined in Scripture as those things that are against the heart of God. I'm not standing on a a soapbox here this morning. But we know clearly from Scripture that issues like homosexuality are not inside the design of God. Issues like abortion are not inside the design of God. But over and over again, even those who have been given legal rights to basically do whatever they want to do, there's still an overwhelming uh, uh, call for people to affirm this lifestyle, to affirm what they're doing is right. And the reason why that is, listen to me, church, the reason why that's not stopping anytime soon is because there's still something in the heart of these individuals that cries out and says, no, 
This is not right. This is not natural. It's against the design of God. This is not true. This is not good. And they're begging for the world to affirm that today. But actually, it's that brokenness that that God is using to point them to Him. Because God loves each and every one of those individuals and He wants them to turn to Him. The gospel message doesn't end with the fact that we're sinners and separated from God. But praise God, the gospel message includes the truth that God loved this world so much He gave His only Son, Jesus, to save us. That Jesus became flesh, came to this world, lived a perfect life without sin, and died in our place on the cross to take the wrath of God for us. He was buried, and then three days later, rose from the grave to prove that he was the Son of God. I love an old pastor friend of mine used to say that on Good Friday on the cross, Jesus wrote the check for the sin of the world, and on Easter Sunday morning, the check cleared the bank. This is the gospel that Jesus died in our place And then the gospel message concludes with the fact that Jesus offers this free gift of forgiveness and the opportunity to come into a real relationship with God, to abide in Him, to know His love to anyone who would receive Him. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, But as many as received them, to them He gave the right to become children of God. There it is again, God's love for us. To those who believe in his name. This is the gospel message. And we must hear it in order to enter into God's love. That's why it's so important for us to share the gospel with people. And and invite people to church. Put them in gospel moments. Because people can't come to know a Jesus. And whom they've not given an opportunity to receive. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says. No other name under heaven has been given among men. By which they must be saved. And he's speaking of the name of Jesus. So to enter into God's love. You've got to first hear the gospel. And then secondly. To enter into God's love, you must believe the gospel message by faith, express that faith in prayer, and surrender your life to follow Jesus all the days of your life. We see in Romans 10, 9, the Bible speaks about the essentials of entering into a relationship with God and saying, and by the way, we all have to choose to enter into a relationship with God. Not one of us are born in a relationship with God. We're born children of God in the fact that we are created in His image But we are separated from God in our sin. And all of us have to choose to hear the gospel and enter into a relationship with Him if we are to know Him. The Bible says to do that here in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, which is just prayer, it's confessing to God, Jesus as Lord, which means you say, Jesus, I surrender my life to follow you. Lord means boss. You means I'm not doing it my way. I'm going to follow you. I'm stepping off the throne of my heart. And Jesus, I'm saying you step in the throne of my life. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Basically, by believing that, you're saying, I believe the whole gospel message. I believe that Jesus died for my sin, was buried, and rose again on the third day because he is the Son of God. So you put your faith in him. And what does the Bible say there? You will be saved. When you enter into a relationship with him, the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, that then the love of God is poured out within your hearts. This is how you enter into the love of God. You come into a relationship with Jesus. And I want you to know something here this morning. God's invitation is always open to give you life in Him, to to experience His love. And the Bible says that He is always working and drawing people. That may be you here today. Just this past week, I was in this sanctuary, and I was praying for our church family, and I was going through our prayer cards. And one of the things I was praying for was for gospel opportunities, for opportunities for myself personally and opportunities for us as a church. That God would put people who are far from him in our past that we could share the gospel. And I prayed for that personally. 
I finished that prayer that morning. I went over. I worked in the office. It was about lunchtime. I was going to walk across the street to, to go eat lunch because I've got that long commute. You know, it's a rough deal, you know, but I made it through traffic. I got almost to the other side of the parking lot, and a guy on a motorcycle pulled up out of nowhere. He's got a big helmet on. I couldn't see his face, but he starts talking to me, talking to me like, like he knows me. And I had, I had no idea who this guy was. And then finally he took his helmet off, and you could see him kind of look back. He said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I thought you were a buddy of mine. This is a new motorcycle. I was just going to show it to you. His name was Kyle. I said, well, Kyle, hey, I like motorcycles. Show it to me, you know. So, so again, if, if, if it's a new motorcycle, just like guys with hunting stuff, you know, you want to show it off, you know. So we got in a conversation. Before long, I got to know Kyle a little bit better. And about 20 minutes later, we're sitting on the asphalt in the shadow of this motorcycle, and Kyle gives his life to Jesus. Right here next door to the church. Church family, can I say something to you today? I told him after it was over, I said, Kyle, do you think it was an accident that the moment that I walk across that you're here? And he said, no, I don't believe it was. And church family, can I say something to you this morning? I don't believe it's an accident that you're here today. If you're here this morning and you don't know the love of God, I don't believe it's an accident that you're here today. So maybe you're here today and God is drawing you. And I want to let you know something. You can enter into God's love even right now. And in fact, I want to invite you to do that. You can really do that. I gave my life to Jesus on a Wednesday night at a church service many years ago. My brother who was here just a few weeks ago, he gave his life to Jesus on a Sunday morning. Many of you in this room here today, you gave your life to Christ at a Sunday morning gathering. Can I say something? God would love for you to enter into a relationship with Him today. So I'm going to put a prayer up on the screen here. I'm going to ask everybody just to take a moment. Would you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment? If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, and you know that without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to encourage you to pray for those who are around you today who may not know Him. And I'm going to ask you this question. To everybody here in the room, do you really know the love of God? You may know about Jesus, but do you really know Jesus? If you were to die tonight, do you know that you would spend eternity in heaven with Him? If you're not sure about those things here today, and you say, Pastor Zach, today, today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to invite you right there where you are to maybe just glance up just for a moment. Nobody's looking around. Look at this prayer on the screen. We've got people all over the room that are looking. Again, don't worry about the people around you. If that's you, just glance up and maybe just take a moment and look at the prayer and think about, do I need to do that today? Do I need to give my life to Jesus? And if you do, I want to invite you to pray this with me right there where you are. The Bible says, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Why wait this morning if that's you? If you don't know, if you know Jesus from your heart to God, would you pray? Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need you. I believe that you love me. And that you died on the cross for my sin. I put my faith in you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And save me. I commit my life to following you all the days of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, then there's a few ways here today that you can let us know that. 
at the conclusion of our service, those little connect cards in the seat back in front of you, you can take one of those and you can mark on there, I decided to follow Christ, and you can put that in one of those little connect boxes as we leave. And we would love to be able to contact you and talk to you about what it means to take some first steps with Jesus. You can come at the conclusion of the service here in a moment. You can let one of our pastors pray for you. Or again, I will be at the welcome desk as we conclude right out this door. And I'd love to pray with you there. But if you gave your life to Jesus today, I want to challenge you in some way. Let somebody know. Maybe it's even just turning the person that invited you and say, I gave my life to Jesus today. But the final step today to abide in the love of God is that we must pursue obedience to God. Look with me at verse 10. Jesus, right after he says, abide in my love, he says, if you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. Anytime we talk about obedience to God as it pertains to the love of God, you've got to know first and foremost that our obedience to God does not dictate God's love to us, okay? We need to hear that in this text. Jesus said first, abide in my love, open invitation. And then He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Why is that the case? Because the invitation to enter God's love is always open, But once you do that, and maybe some of you just did that, the invitation, that relationship, then now you're in the relationship, it has certain rules and standards we must follow that help us grow and maintain a healthy relationship with Him. The same is true in walking with the love of God. I experience more of the love of God in my life the more that I do the things that honor and please Him. However, I experience less of the love of God in my life the more I do the things that don't please him. A good example of this is an example with my wife here on the front row. We've been married 15 years. We're in a covenant of marriage. She loves me and I love her and we enjoy one another's presence. But that being the case, often as a husband, I do stupid things, okay? Some of you in this room, wives, you know you have that, you're married to that same husband, okay? Now here's the deal. I can do a stupid thing and our marriage is still completely intact, but our intimacy is hindered. It's those moments where you're, you get the ice-cold treatment. Man, you're talking about we're in the same room. You can be three feet apart from each other uh, in the passenger seat, and uh, you might as well be a mile apart. Anybody say amen to that? You've been there, okay? Can I say something to you here today? You can absolutely know and love Jesus, but if you're not walking in His commands, you're not doing the things that honor Him, then your intimacy with God will be hindered. Jude spoke about this just after he gave a whole list of things that we're not supposed to do. He says in verse 20 and 21, But you, beloved, build yourself up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. I experience more the love of God the more that I'm pursuing Him and honoring Him. Church family, if you want to be close, you got to be clean. And this is a regular process for all of us. We've got to confess our sin regularly. Praise God that he's forgiven us of all of our sin. But that intimacy is something that our obedience, we have to pursue. Now, church family, there are many actions, thoughts, and behaviors that can be causing us not to walk in the fullness of God's love. If so, today I encourage you to repent of those things. Lay those things down because it's just not worth it. You ever have those moments where you're in the middle of some sin and some action that you feel the Holy Spirit of God say, no, and you know in your heart and mind that it's not really going to satisfy you. You know that Jesus is better. In the Old Testament, the people of God did this. The Bible says that God spoke to them and said, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken the Lord, the living waters that come from Him, and they've hewn out for themselves broken cisterns that hold no water. Can I tell you this morning, it's not worth it. 
Church family, if you're living in sin, living in rebellion against God, but you're a follower of Jesus, repent of that today. Run to him afresh and new and say, Jesus, I want to know you today. Now, as we close this morning, I want to tell you this story. This past summer, I had an opportunity at the Summit Church. At our five-year anniversary, the Summit gave us a one-month sabbatical. It's an opportunity in ministry because there's a lot of times in ministry where you have to, uh, you're, you're kind of on call all the time and those things. It was an opportunity to kind of give that back to your family and also a time to refresh and, and just come afresh and anew to the Lord and, and get fresh vision from the Lord. It was actually during that time that the Lord was speaking to us about coming to Indian Baptist Church. So it was a very useful moment. But during that time, one of the things that I asked the Lord to do, I said, Lord, I just want to fall in love with you afresh and anew. I just want to experience your love at a fresh new. Just like any marriage or any relationship, sometimes you just got to get away and just reconnect and reaffirm your love for one another. And during that process, the first couple of weeks, God revealed some sin and revealed some things in my life and some habits and things. And so I started laying some things down. And, but even in the process, I was still praying a prayer. God, I just want to know your love. God, I just want to know your love afresh and new. It was right towards the end of that sabbatical time that one morning, Kimberly and I were in Destin doing a trip. And I got up that morning and I said, Lord, just let me know afresh and anew your great love for me and the Holy Spirit rose up within me and chastened me a little bit and this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me Zach, what else do I need to do? I said, oh God, I want to know your love in a fresh and new and it was like the Holy Spirit put me on the spot and said Zach, what else needs to be done? and he brought me back to the cross 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says this, And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And in that moment, that's what brought me back to the fresh and new to the love of God. I started singing unto the Lord anew these hymns about the blood of Jesus that's washed me, white as snow, about His great love that loved me. And I was reminded that that's where I'm renewed in my love for God is just to go back to the cross. And the cross of Jesus is always the greatest display of God's love for us. And Jesus designed a way for us to be reminded of God's love regularly in the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to ask the guys that they'll come this morning and Brother Ken prepare to lead us and Brother Ron begins to play. And this morning we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And I can't imagine a better way this morning, church family, for us to abide in the love of God and to go back to the cross. So take your cups there out of the little seat back there in front of you. And as you take them out, if you don't have one this morning, raise your hand. Or if there's not enough in your area, just raise your hand. We've got some guys that are going to slip around and bring some more of those. Does everybody have one here today? Now we practice open communion here at Enon, which means that all people who are truly followers of Jesus, that you're invited to partake. And some of you may have just done that. And so we invite you to do that today. But first I want to let you know that the Bible says that we're to take the Lord's Supper in a worthy way. Which means to be fully devoted to Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 11, Paul spoke about taking the Lord's Supper in a worthy way. And he even talked about the judgment of God that can come upon those who don't. He said some people have gotten sick and some people even died. And it's meant to be a reverent moment because this is what you say. When you take the Lord's Supper, you're proclaiming the death of Jesus. You're proclaiming what Jesus did for you. And by taking it and receiving it, you're saying, Jesus, as you gave everything for me, God, I've given everything to you. This is my whole life. And so this morning, church family, 
Again, abide in His love. Keep His commandments. This is a great moment, a holy moment, to say, God, search my heart. Search me and know me. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. I want to invite you to bow there for a moment. Just bow your head. In light of what Jesus has done on the cross, ask the Lord, say, Lord, am I fully surrendered to you? Are there things in my heart and life, though, that maybe you want me to repent of right now? And if you repent of it, then Jesus will forgive you of that. We confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Some of you this morning, God may break strongholds in this moment if you will truly repent. So I invite you right there where you are. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that's not surrendered to you? It may be a stronghold. Say, God, forgive me of that stronghold. It may be greed. Apathy. You may have some idols in your life. As the Lord brings those things to mind, church family, leave here this morning fully surrendered to Jesus. Lord, show us right now in Jesus' name. Show us, God, anything in our hearts and lives God, we need to repent of. God, help us to lay our lives before He's a living sacrifice in these next few moments. Now, when you're ready, if you feel prepared now, you feel clean before the Lord, again, don't do this. I encourage you this morning, don't take the Lord's Supper if you're not. But if you've truly confessed your sin before the Lord, that's all it takes is just true confession. And when you're ready, I want you to take the little piece of bread and I want you to look at it for a moment. Pull out the little piece of bread. And I want you to think about Christ's body that was given for you. That bore the wrath of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, he said, For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. And when you're ready, you take the juice. I just want you to look at it for a moment. Don't you think of Christ's blood that was shed for you? The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The last thing that Jesus said on the cross, before his blood had left his body, before he gave up his spirit, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and he died. And the remnants of life as it flowed down his body was his blood. And that's what was given to forgive us of our sin. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. This morning... If you want to thank Jesus for his blood, 
who sacrificed for you that says to us here today, I love you. Take and drink. Church family, I was reading this last week. We're going to sing here in a moment. Our pastors are going to be up front. We'll have counselors up here. If you need to join this church here today or if you just need to come and pray and worship the Lord or you need somebody to pray with you, our pastors will be available as we sing. I was reading this last week. You know, the Gospel of John, all the Gospels show this picture of the Lord doing the Lord's Supper with His disciples on His way to the cross. I kept thinking about that, by the way. He's, he tells them as he's giving them the Lord's Supper, he's about to go to the cross. He'll leave this room, go to the Garden of Gethsemane where this terrible event will begin. And the Bible says, and he said, I will not drink this anymore, the fruit of the vine in this world, but I will drink it again in the kingdom of God with you. He knows exactly where he's headed. And they take the Lord's Supper together. And this is what the Bible says. I want you to think about God's in the room. And it says, and they sang a hymn together. And then he made his way to the cross. Jesus was in bed to endure the sin of the world, our sin. But he came and worshipped the Lord even before that. Church family, this morning, in a lot of what Jesus has done for us, is he not worthy of our worship today? Is he not worthy of our praise? I think about my statement my little son said, is he not worthy of us bringing our flowers to heaven here today? I'm telling Jesus, here I am, I love you. So this is what I want us to do today. We're going to do what the church does. We're going to worship Jesus this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand right there where you are. If you want to lift your hands, if you want to kneel, if you need somebody to pray for you, but let's worship the Lord Jesus today like we mean it in these next few moments. Let's sing unto the Lord.